Fred Chipping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everybody. Get it for free in the App Store today. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This, this is, is Friendshiping. Friendshiping. And the theme this week is... Managing feelings of guilt and shame during the pandemic. I hope we can make this funny. <laughs> Friendship between humans has many benefits. But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Benjamin Button, how has your past week been? Honestly, I'm doing okay. I really am. I uh, I had some family worries. I was worried about a family member a couple weeks ago, and they seem to be doing just fine. And Yay. now that that is out of my purview, sort of, it's never fully out of my purview, but it is a it is for the most part right now. I am doing a okay. Enjoying this weird up and down weather in Chicago, getting outside a lot, still social distancing, of course. I know everyone is sick of the phrase, I'm hanging in there, but I am indeed hanging in there. Trin, how about you, my good friend? How What is the good word? Uh, I'm doing, I think I'm doing better. I'm doing okay. I actually, so I had a guest over last weekend, which was my brother, and it, we took such extreme measures. So my brother, my brother uh, lives with my parents and uh, he just kind of like needed a break because like I think everybody kind of needs a break, oh, yeah. I think, from their parents every now and again. And so we're like, OK, how are we going to do this? Because my parents are both like over 65. So we have to take measures and like be very, we're very serious people here in the Garitano family. And so uh, he came over and wore a mask and I wore a mask. And also I Lysoled down a, like a small end table and my computer chair and I got out a measuring tape and I <laughs> set it to six feet away. And so every time I was walking around the house, I'd have the measuring tape out in front of me and I'd be like, you stay away. This is and awesome. You guys should keep this up even after the pandemic is over. <laughs> It was it was really so it was um it was honestly kind of like playing freeze tag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like like we just had some extra rules because like I said, we take this like seriously. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you have to be alive and like see your family. And like it was really, uh, you know, for his and my mental health to be able to, to see my oh, sibling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am taking this so seriously and I'm really side eyeing people who aren't. I'm doing more than side eyeing, actually. Um, but uh, I think at some point we are going to see people expanding their germ squad a little bit. And that's what you did. And you did it in the best, safest way possible. He was so relaxed over here that at one point he actually was like, you know what? Uh, hold on a second. And he lays down on the floor and like maybe 30 seconds later, he starts snoring. Oh, and he my fell God. asleep on my floor for he 20 minutes. He is like a cat. <laughs> that is so endearing. He just fell asleep in a sunbeam. <laughs> That's like, but we're both, we're both like that. Like, we're both like, you know, um, you, you know how I'm trying not to compliment myself too much when I say that I'm an empathetic person, because it's often, you know, it can be a detriment because it's like being an open door, you know, like uh, stuff goes in and stuff goes out. And and that's how Gus is, too. And so I think that it was really helpful to just kind of like recharge together. But it was yes. great. We watched a bunch of Steven Universe. Um, I, I put my car, my couch six feet away from him and he kind of had to squint to see Steven. But that's fine. <laughs> Man, I know what you mean about calling yourself empathetic, because when I do that, I'm like, it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to make myself sound like so emotional and sensitive and nice. But really, I'm just feeling things very largely. I'm just like a big yeah. old feeler. And that definitely has some pretty strong disadvantages. 
I love yeah. that you stayed six feet apart with the tape measure. That is so endearing. I thought about like making um, a, a six foot long piece of yarn and he would have to hold one end and I would have the, uh, the other. But I was like, this is one, a little bit Hansel and Gretel. And two, <laughs> like, I think it's just it's just a bit much. Um, but we're doing good. And then um, so his birthday is in a couple weeks. And I was like, OK, so if you're home for two weeks and I'm home for two weeks and neither of us are sick, that means we didn't get each other sick. So you can come over again. But then you can't come over for another two weeks. I love it. Uh, so that's how we're trying to deal with it. But like, you know, uh, I, I think it's just a general, no matter what your situation is during the pandemic, we're all experiencing environmental damage that kind of seeps in over time. You know, it's kind of like how like UV rays, you get them constantly. And if you don't wear sunscreen ever, you'll start wrinkling before you know it kind of thing. Yeah, like you can still get burnt. You can still get the effects of sun even when there are clouds around. And that's what's happening now. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be a really good transition into our um, general uh, dis discussion topic. But guess what? I don't want to answer the question yet. I want to hear more about Jen. So let's not do that instead. Oh, yeah. I actually do have oh, something yeah, to tell I love you. that. Um, so I ordered from your plant shop on your plant oh. shop on Etsy. I'm so, <laughs> no. oh yeah, I was so delighted. You know, I tried really hard to order from a Chicago like garden shop because obviously you can't visit a garden store right. right now, but I thought like they would have some online delivery, but it looks like garden stores are having a really hard time with that. Understandably. A lot of them are just like, we're pausing everything. So I asked Trin, I asked my good friend Trin here for some, uh, online ordering and she recommended a plant store and I ordered some Italian basil, and some thyme. Did they come in the mail yet? Oh, yeah. And the delight I felt unwrapping oh, those yeah. plants. Trin, I 100%, it is, I it was just like, a, I just got, like someone dumped a bathtub of serotonin <laughs> on me. It was, even though I knew, I've ordered plants before, I've had herbs and herbs before. Something about unwrapping them from like this little independent shop in Washington was just like the cutest, best feeling ever. I immediately set them up. A good thing I didn't plant them outside, though, because the next day it's Dude, snowed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, two things about that. One, um, Jen's talking about uh, the plant shop on Etsy, which I don't mind just saying where it is. Um, so I have a preferred online plant dealer. And it's just because I Googled, I ended up there. It's a place that, it, like, as far as I am aware, based on the research that I have done, and if you find anything bad about this shop, please tell me, you know. Um, but it seems to be owned by a woman in Washington. So I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy plants from you online. And I agree, Jen, it is hard to go out and get plants because, you know, you and I, we don't we don't want to go to like Home Depot or Amazon. You know, we want to go to our locally owned plant shop. But the problem is that many plant nurseries are closed right now. And so, like, even if our plant shops wanted to be open, they don't even have stock. So it appears that this Etsy shop has like a direct link into the supplier. And I also got herbs. And Jen, I want to echo what you said about like the serotonin rush you get from getting a plant in the mail. Um, I feel like I better understand how my cats kind of like go a little bit wild during the day having no stimulation. You know, yes, like you yes. have to change. So for my cats, I have always gone out of my way to like change things around. Sometimes we have a floating, I say floating in that it doesn't have a, a specific place in the house. We have a floating cat water dish that I'll put in places. And for some reason, they love finding that water and like drinking it. And like getting a plant in the mail is like, oh, where's the water dish today? You know, it, I, I definitely feel that. I'm so happy that you had oh, a good experience. Oh my God, yeah. 
like when I hide Mavi's like bone under a blanket and she has to sniff it out and find it and she goes wild and is having yeah. so much fun. I can't laugh at animals for that because like I play Spider-Man for like six hours a day. You know, it's like, yeah, we all need a little stimulation. And not to sound too like much like a hippie here, but something about unwrapping something that's bright green and alive is really refreshing right now. It is. You know, um, so uh, as I've mentioned before in the show, I work on uh, a sci-fi RPG with Asmati Games. And one of my favorite uh, components of writing that is it's a very like whimsical, sweet environment. But I try to wrap in uh, what I know to be true about humans right now which I think is like the best way to to approach sci-fi. So we have like a plant room and like a garden inside of the ship because um, research has been showing that like humans actually need to be around something alive, to smell, to, to touch dirt, to hear birds chirping, things like that. And one of the big ways that I realized how important this was to me is because I've been playing so much Animal Crossing, which, you know, Mavi, your uh, golden lab will get a peanut butter filled Kong toy and I will chew on my Animal Crossing and listen to birds and waves and things like that. And it has been so healthy for me that I'm incorporating it into the fiction I'm writing. It's just so important. That is awesome. Man, I love that approach to sci-fi. I was I was really delighted and moved when I started the new Star Wars game. And there's a little place to like plant seeds that you can find on planets I on your ship. It. And I was just like, yes, yes, exactly what I would want. Exactly what I do have in my little spaceship known as my home. Jen, that like last two minutes of you talking was like so Jen. The only way you could have made it more Jen is that if you also somehow wrapped in your athleticism. But like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I'm actually doing pushups right now while we're recording. So how many hands are you using on the pushups? Just one. I only need one. The other one's tied around. My <laughs> and back. then the microphone is you're you're using this telepathy to hold it. <laughs> um. Oh, Jen, Jen. Um. Yes. I have some just some life updates. Should I let me let me sprinkle them in if you don't mind? Please. So, please. um, my two updates that people usually like ask for and care about are my ADD updates and my snail updates, which I'm going to update yep. you on both. One, snails are fine. They're snails. They don't really they don't really do anything. They just They're healthy, they're thriving. That's the problem with, with everything, really, is that once you get once you make it like happy, you can just kinda leave it alone. Like the snails eat the plants and they just kinda in there. They're alive, they're happy. I see them every day. They stopped having as many babies, I think maybe because they have enough things to eat so they don't have to eat their babies. Anyway, that's the snail update. Second update. I'm glad to hear they're doing so well. I figured it was a no news, good news situation. It really is. It's, it is. Like, I mean, I, I would talked about the snails a lot more when I was getting a handle on taking care of them. And when they were just like shitting out children, like so much <laughs> diarrhea. Um, but but now like things are just like very chill and they're like happy with the springtime. They're out a little bit more. Um, yeah. And, you know, I might just um, I might post a picture at some point just because like we get emails about my snails and I'm just like, guys, they don't have brains. So they, it's not like they finished a crossword puzzle or they're in a Sudoku championship now. Like there's nothing for me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other update is um my my ADHD stuff. Um so uh I've started reading books about ADD because I can finally pay attention long enough to read a book, which is so oh, cool. Oh man, it's so funny you say that. I was talking to a friend last night who also has ADHD and he recommended me a book and he said this is the only book I've been able to finish because I my 
my ADHD is so severe that I cannot get through a book. But this one I was able to crush because it was so good. And I it never occurred to me that finishing a book would be so difficult. And of course it is. I mean, like that's a finishing a book that requires a lot from someone, a lot of concentration, a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, and processing it, you know, like I've never. So unlike many people on the ADD, ADHD spectrum, I actually have never had a problem with reading. It's just the way my brain is attuned. Like if when I would learn languages, it was always easier for me to read it um, than to hear it. When I watch TV or movies, I need subtitles. Like for for some reason, the written word is, is, is fine. It's just a matter of paying attention and caring about the thing long enough to read every word and read it from the beginning to the end. I have, I have a bad habit of skipping things. And one of the, the books I've been reading is this book called um, Women with ADD by Sari. I believe her last name is probably pronounced Sodden, but it is S-O-L-D-E-N. And it's been very interesting for me because the book is called Women with ADD, but she acknowledges in the preface that women are consistently diagnosed with one type of ADD and men are typically diagnosed, really boys are diagnosed with another type of ADHD. And it's been interesting for me as a non-binary person reading this because I'm really excited to see a new, uh, like a renewed dive into this and just gender in AD&D and ADHD is so interesting. And it's interesting for me because, so I have ADHD, which is typically diagnosed in boys. And my brother has uh, inattentive ADD, which is typically what goes undiagnosed in little girls and is never diagnosed in boys. Wow. Right. Does the book does the book get into why? I mean, I can yes. I have some guesses. Yes. And and your guesses are probably correct in that um ADHD is a diagnosed in boys because they act out, they um are loud, they're disruptive to other people. Um and so therefore they're kind of like, you know, helped. And it is seen in women because like, oh, you're too much quiet and demure like a girl sort of thing. I don't know how else to describe that, but it's it's just like it, it plays into yeah, gender yeah. stereotypes, really. And as I read it, um, because, I, you know, I went into this being like, oh, wow, women with ADHD is like it's a really like special different thing. And like now I identify as non-binary and I'm seeing that the gender bias is really fucking everybody. And I'm really hoping that we see a renewed focus onto how gender influences these diagnoses, not just on women, but on for men and non-binary people as well. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a group of people that benefits more from our current systems. But really, yes. gender bias does fuck everyone, especially in medicine. Oh, especially medicine. I mean, like we've talked about this on the show before about how like all basically all drugs are based on the needs of like a 165 pound man or something like that. Like there's a very specific neutral model that is not actually neutral whatsoever. But yeah, like um, and, and uh, some tidbits. Um, one fun thing was that I discovered that my type is um, ADHD chatterbox. Uh, which is funny because that was the nickname my parents gave me, made fun of me with when I wouldn't shut up as a kid. <laughs> so, oh, like, Lordy. I know, right? Like, I mean, like, and it's hard to, like, hold it against them because what the fuck did they know? They just were like, why won't my kid stop talking? <laughs> like, they yep. didn't know that yep. this was some a thing. And the other tidbit that I wanted to share was I can't believe it took me this long in my research because, like I, I've mentioned, like, I've been thinking about this for years and years. I mean, this was brought up four years ago and I've only been really seriously thinking about it for two years. But it took me until literally yesterday to hear and know 
that the chemical imbalance in somebody who is on that spectrum, what that chemical imbalance does to you, it's not that it makes you inattentive. It's not that it it makes you not want to focus. What it does is it takes the choice out of what you can focus on. So if anything isn't extremely interesting to me, it is almost physically painful to get me to do that thing. But if I'm interested in it, I will, which sounds, I think, at the outset, like I'm super picky, you know, or super finicky. But it's chemically, I can't enjoy even a small amount of like a boring task. And when I'm on Adderall, listen to this, Jen, I've cooked. Oh, I'm so happy for you. God, I'm so happy for you. I literally, I made an actual meal with spices in it. Like, it's incredible. Usually you're just like put beans in a bowl kind of person. Yes. Yes. I My favorite meal is a can of garbanzo beans and a bag of frozen broccoli. I mean, that I cooked, you know, but like that's that's what I do because I don't like waiting. I don't like sitting there and stirring. And I never yeah, saw yep, the appeal totally. in doing that, you know, and like waiting and like cleaning up. And, blah. and now I fucking get it. And it's so strange. Anyway, so that was that was the thing I wanted to share. So if you uh, have been listening to me talking about this and uh, you're like, oh, I think I might be on that spectrum. I think it's important for you to know (laughs) that the actual chemical thing that's happening to a person with this spectrum is you just you have no choice into what you focus on and what you do. And that's why some tasks will go forever not being done because it never even occurs to you that you can do it and you can focus on it. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. This This is like so fascinating and helpful. Like I'm trying to imagine the feeling of like not being able to focus on the things you want to focus on. That must be like, like you said, physically, like actually physically painful. What was that comic on Tumblr the other yeah. a couple of days ago? That was like, it's time to focus on the wrong things. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that is, I mean, that even resonated with me. And I, I'm sure it's like double, triply so for people with, with, uh, on the ADHD spectrum. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the, the other things that surprised me, uh, that I, I have to acknowledge now is, I have this extreme cognitive dissonance of who I am as a person, like my actual vision of like who I am, because and again, I always feel weird, like saying anything nice about myself, like I'm being cocky, but just roll with me here for now. An ADHD person can be creative or talented or like, you know, all these things that come with having like a weird brain. And at the same time, you know, I didn't do my homework as a kid, you know, or like, you know, every now and again, I'll just completely fuck something up because I forgot to fucking do it, you know. And having those two senses of self within me has been like really difficult. And I have been endeavoring to hold conflicting ideas about myself at the same time. And it's hard and it's a big part of the journey. And um, and again, just I, I only say this stuff just in case anybody finds it helpful. But uh, good luck. No, I, <laughs> I find it helpful. Well, how about we do this? What if I you want me to read the, the discussion question? Yeah, let's do that. Let's read the discussion question and then we'll do our main question. That's our format right now. We've gotten some feedback that you will all like this, which is helpful. Even if you don't like it, I will accept that feedback. You can tweet me tweet at us and say, hey, I preferred it the other way, or I think you guys should do this instead. I will accept that feedback because that means you're listening and we love attention. Discussion question. Let's do it. I am intensely introverted and also highly sensitive, which means people exhaust the shit out of me. A weekend with no work and no socializing was never enough to recharge this introvert. In the past few weeks, I've been able to spend in isolation due to shelter in place laws, I have come to realize just how burnt out I was, and I am hardcore enjoying my alone time. 
It has allowed me to get back in touch with myself, rediscover things I enjoy. And for the first time in years, I masturbate daily. I'm sorry. It's just that when she said, get back, like, but you know, <laughs> right? Editorial for the first time in years, I feel like myself and an actual human, not somebody who is in survival mode. I know that I am unbelievably, incredibly lucky. And when I see other people having difficulty being in quarantine because of finances, health, loneliness, etc., I feel guilty about how much I'm enjoying being at home. How much is it okay for me to love my alone time because of the quarantine? Oh boy, great question. And off the bat, I can say with, with confidence, and I'm rarely confident, but I feel pretty confident about this, that this asker is sensitive, thoughtful, and kind, and that they are not being insensitive or careless around people yes. who are experiencing bad things right now. Like, I just, I just don't see that. How could that be possible? All you are doing, Asker, is experiencing a little bit of happiness in the darkness. And of course, you're allowed that. Of course. Like, and also, you're not actually enjoying yourself that much because you're plagued by guilt, as you, as you told us. Absolutely. It's very clear that you needed this. And that is a privilege that I feel like I feel like it's more of a right. You know, I feel like everybody deserves to have this time to recuperate and recover. So there are some privileges that we need to pass forward. This is one of those. On the other side of it, there are some privileges such as like not ever getting in trouble for anything or experiencing consequences that some like men, white men <laughs> need to give up. But like this having time off to regroup, to reorganize my life, to take stock of how I've changed, what's important to me, to figure out how I could better live my life and live my values in the future. That is a right and it is a preventative health measure. And you don't need to give that up. What we're saying is other people should just also have it. And you don't actually take anything away from them, from those people who don't have it by enjoying the thing that you do have. So if you feel bad, one way you can assuage this guilt is to make a plan for how you're going to help afford these kinds of opportunities to other people. You know, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to advocate for a higher minimum wage, for better parental leave, things like that, you know? Take this as evidence that you were right all along, that you needed this time, people deserve this time, and everybody should have it. Yes, I mean, people deserve time off to recuperate from their jobs. And the fact that so many people are saying, wow, I really needed this. My brain is really doing better now really speaks to, I mean, how what we prioritize in this country, which is work and not mental health or even physical health. So um, what you can take from this experience is that you are going to make a plan for how you will afford these opportunities to other people. Like what you what you want, Asker. I mean, I'm guessing here, but I feel I feel like this is probably what you want. You want other people to experience right. what you're experiencing right now. Absolutely. I mean, imagine having time to do this annually. Imagine a world where everybody had like, you know, ample vacation time, ample time to live their best human life possible. Like, I mean, I just feel like yep. that's the whole purpose of having a society and a government is to make a world where as many people can feel fulfillment and happiness and healthfulness as possible. You're not taking anything away from anybody. I know we kind of touched on this, but a lot of people feel this way. What I what I feel like, like the two main camps are are essential workers who are overworked, underpaid and need more. And then there's people who have that time and are and, and are able to kind of like use this shelter in place time for their own mental health. And it's like what I want is for those essential workers to just also have that. I don't know. 
certainly you can hold more than one thought in your head at the same time. You can feel a lot of things at the same time. You can acknowledge that vulnerable groups are more likely to suffer during the pandemic than you are right now. And you can also enjoy the fact that you have time to cook dinner for yourself for the first time this year. You know, like all of those things can be true. And you strike me as the asker strikes me as someone who is very aware of the suffering happening right now. And that's why they feel guilt. If you have a little energy to spare right now, it is okay to give some of it to your friends. It's okay to offer to help people. But it's also okay to ex- quietly experience a little bit of joy right now. We are giving you permission to do that. I think a good way to kind of take emotions out of the good fortune that you're experiencing, because that's what it is, is you, it's, you are having good fortune. Luck is not a meritocracy. So the good fortune that you're having right now, so you lucked into, hey, I'm an introvert and I get more introvert time. You know, you weren't given that because you were so good and they were so bad. You know, you were getting that just out of just pure fucking luck of the draw. So I hope that only experience as much guilt as will push you to do some work. You know, I don't know how else to wrap yeah, that thought. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I also feel guilty. I feel strange and weird about the fact that I get to... I, this is the most uninterrupted time I've ever had with Mavi. And I spend a lot of time with Mavi anyway, because I, uh, you know, my, my cushy lifestyle went even cushier in the past month, except for the fact that I am like racked with unease. There's no one who isn't affected by this right now. I mean, and also imagine the rich people who were rich before this you know, who had this ability the whole time. And now you finally have it and you're like, fuck, this is so much. Oh, my gosh. We're giving you a basic human right of being able to regroup and have mental health time. And you're so, 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 so grateful for it. If anything, turn this into hatred for the ultra rich. The ultra rich are not taking time off and feeling shame over the, the, the joy and the luck that they have, because if they did, they have so much money that they could give that to other people. You don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Remember that there's no such thing as a billionaire who's like worked hard and earned absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like that's not a thing. That's absolutely not a thing. There's the only way to get that much money is to crush people beneath your feet. So so turn that that those bad feelings about yourself into uh, aggressive feelings toward the upper class. Yeah. Join us. Join us in this angry party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you need permission to stop feeling shitty about enjoying your basic human right of time off, we give that to you. Indeed. All right. Well, let's focus in. Let You want to zoom in on this specific second question? I can't wait. I'm so excited for this yes. one. Yes. I love this question so much. This is another pandemic light question. Hi, Jen and Trin. I think this could be a general discussion topic. Wrong. We're doing not doing it that way. <laughs> House envy. I'm usually very happy with my living situation, but social distancing has made this an issue for me. I live in a studio apartment with my partner and I'm being flooded with Zoom calls from friends and coworkers, including one who was like, we should all do MTV Cribs and show each other our houses. I'll go first. This is our vacation house. Whoa. I'm especially bummed about having zero outside space where I don't feel high anxiety about needing to keep social distancing. We live in a city, so going outside involves constant vigilance. How do I feel less angry and sad and jealous every time I talk to someone who has a house, a yard, or a second room in their living space right now? Thank you so much. Pronounce she, her. Man, so I feel this. House envy is so, so very real. The stigma around renting instead of owning is so real. There are so many outside forces that are making you feel this way, and they're all, they're all coming at you at once, and everything is more amplified now that we're all in our homes. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I followed I, I've said this before, but I have unfollowed so many people on Instagram because of house envy. Like it's just um, I don't even want to deal with that feeling, you know. Oh, yeah. I've unfollowed people because of travel envy, uh, especially in the winter in Chicago. If like I see someone is like on vacation in Hawaii, I'm like, no, not looking at that right now. I don't I'm jealous of all the lush plants and beaches year round and I don't want to look at it. I just I am shocked by somebody saying out loud we should do MTV Cribs and show each other our houses. I'll go first. This is our vacation house. I hope that that's an exaggeration and not a direct quote because the amount of just complete denial of the rest of the world in that sentence is so counter to the first question. You know, like the first question oh, is, man. I got some time off. Is it OK to like, f- like feel OK about that? It's like, yes. But like, oh, um, everybody I like, like saying that out loud is assuming everybody has a house. It's saying out loud something about the amount of money that you have, that you are able to own two places to live. So you own extra of something that is required to survive that not everybody has. Like that is quite that is definitely a, a, an admission of something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's particularly thoughtless. It's thoughtless all the time. And it's thoughtless during a pandemic. Oh, yeah. And it's, thought, it's thoughtless from a coworker, especially. Like that is because you are kind of powerless to be like, dude, what? To a coworker, you know? Like there's very little you can do uh, when you have to s- interact socially for your job. Yes, absolutely. Like um, I hate the person who ever said that, but for an alternative um, for anybody who has not actually crossed this line before and is interested to see more of the personal lives of their coworkers, a good alternative would be something like, how about everybody takes a picture of their desk? Or everybody sends a picture, if you want, of something in your living space that that is um, that speaks to your personality, you know. So, like, I would send a picture of my plants. So, like, you know, I I live in an apartment, too. Like, I don't I don't have an MTV Cribs kind of place where I live. But like, there are things in my home that I'm proud of and I'm happy to share, you know. But that is so different from let's do MTV Cribs as our vacation house. Because that really speaks to showing off rather than show me something about your life, about your personality. I care about you and I want to know more about you when I see your living space. Yeah, the only time it's okay to like, here's MTV Cribs um, showing off my space, unless it's sarcastic and you're like, look, it's my toilet. Like, that's the only time I would accept something like that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Jen, that's really fucking funny. (laughs) Like, just take a picture of your toilet. toilet. I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Man. So I guess I'm glad that the asker is acknowledging their envy yeah. instead of bearing that feeling or pretending it's not there. But I'm also really glad, Trin, that you pointed out that that one specific thing the coworker said is deeply uncool. <laughs> it's very thoughtless. And if that is really bothering you, asker, if that is like, if that is repeating in your head, I couldn't blame you one bit. It's it's clearly bothering Trin and I a lot. Yeah. Like, honestly, I, oh God, because everyone knows how much I hate the rich, but I just feel like If you're so rich that you can't even think about the concept that most people don't own property, like don't own more than one place, if that's if that's just so far from your brain, then this seems like the co-work wanted to show off their wealth and thinks that they deserve it. And you don't. Yeah. Anyway. And you don't. Um, But I also want to, you know, this may or may not apply to the asker, but consider what makes you happy about the choices that you made. So like I said, you know, I live in an apartment, not an MTV Cribs apartment. And and this won't apply to you if you didn't choose the path you're on. But, you know, stick with me if you did. Like I could move to some suburb of Pennsylvania and take out a huge loan and buy a house. I could do that. 
But I want to be in a city and I want to be in the city where my friends are. And that's the city of Chicago. And being in a city drives property prices way up. And I just want to be far enough away from my family that it's a pain in the ass to visit. So the choices that I made are sound. So it's not that I like didn't financially plan well, so I didn't own a building. It was this is the path that led me to where I am now. So like, yeah, I would fucking love a garden. But to me, it isn't worth living in a place that doesn't quite suit me to have that. So when you talk about your home, if that is something that you choose to do, take some of the embarrassment out of it in that like everything that you've done in your life has led you to this moment. And and this is leading you to the next moment. I'm only saying this because I just don't want you to feel any embarrassment about this. You did not make any bad choices. This shitty MTV Cribs motherfucker, though. Yeah, I think this is a really good exercise. I would ask yourself what you do love about where you live, not just the inside, but the city you live in. What do you have that you enjoy? What brings you joy about where you live? And Trin, you, we, Trin and I also live in a, in a big city. And every time someone visits me and my partner here in the city, they complain about traffic. Or they ask, like, how could you possibly live this close to other people? Or how do you stand parking here? Or like they had they just can't understand like the lifestyle. And to me, all those inconveniences are worth it. Like there's nothing about living in a city that makes it not worth it to me. And maybe my feelings will change someday. But every year I've lived in Chicago, it's been 11 years now. I'm going to be 12 this September, I think. I've fallen in love with it more. And all those little things that people don't like about the city are the things that I do like about it. So I would spend a little bit of time trying to find something you do like about where you live and how you live. Yeah. And and to not feel guilty about the things that you do love. I mean, maybe you love that this place finally has a fucking dishwasher, you know, or like maybe. Yeah. Maybe you love that there's finally laundry in the building in this home, you know, and this isn't something you need to share with your coworkers. But like, remember that you have made choices to curate your space. Jen and I were literally before this call talking about how desperately we each want a second bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I would say uh, I don't know when we're going to I'm going to move probably in the next two year or two. Um, my partner and I are looking to move staying in Chicago. But on the list of needs is a second bathroom because, oh, man, our bathroom is tiny. My bathroom is smaller than our than like my closet. Interestingly, oh, enough. Wow. I literally just noticed I just noticed that right now because I'm sitting in my closet. <laughs> Damn, the place where I poop is very small. Anyway, um, I never, uh, the second bathroom seemed so luxurious to me a couple years ago. Same. It seemed like, wow, two, why would I need two places to go to the bathroom? But now I can see that when you have a live-in partner, it, it would be so nice. It would be so lovely. I really don't know how my asshole lined up with Connell's asshole so well. <laughs> But we have to poop at the exact same fucking time, like every day. Like we have to warn each other because like we said before, like men take a half hour to 45 minutes to take a dump because I don't yep. I don't know why. And every and all the men I've talked to agree with this. I don't get it. Anyway, so I have to. Oh, yeah. I, I've also done some research on that trend. I've done, pulled some friends. I've been like, yeah, that seems about right. Maybe maybe a little longer even I'm like longer. Jesus. I mean, there are times when my husband gets up. And I can sense he's going to the bathroom. So I jump off the couch and sprint there so I can beat him. Yeah. No, that's not that's pretty ridiculous. Now that I said it out loud. I mean, like it's it's like anything, you know, (laughs) we're all surviving. So like, you know, Connell will go into the bathroom and I'll be like, hey, so is this is this a number one? A number two or a long number two. And then, and then we'll plan from there. And I and I also think that like our sphincters call to one another, you know, like when when they're feeling. Oh, they, li- they yeah. are. 
they sync up like ri- like wireless routers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I'll have to plan to like not drink my coffee for a little while sort of thing. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> this is all to say we all, you know, make sacrifices. And I love my home. I love my apartment. This is the best place I've ever lived since I lived in a house with my parents, which wasn't even all that great, guys. OK. And and like I'm very proud of it and I love it so much. It's imperfect. It is not an MTV crib. And there are things that I'm proud of. Um, I think that you can find things that you also are proud of and like want to share. But I also think that if you want to opt out of this exercise entirely, that is so okay. You can Rosa Diaz your way out of this situation. You could be like, I don't even want you guys to know that I have a home. Actually, I would love it if you thought I I worked out of a hole every day. Oh, man. Absolutely. Give no information about your living space. That is totally valid. I don't I wouldn't blame you at all. And you know, some days your living space will simply bum you out. And I think this is true for most people I know. Like the other day, I couldn't stop noticing how fucking dusty our apartment is. And I clean a lot, but there's no stopping the dust in an old Chicago building. Like the baseboards are old and the appliances are old and things are just old. (laughs) And the other day I opened the fridge and you know that like little weird door that holds the butter? Like for some reason the butter needs to be behind behind a second door. Okay, let me say um, something about that. I don't like yes. all the compartments in a fridge. I think it should all be open space. I don't want to put things in drawers. I forget when shit's in drawers. Please continue, Jen. I'm angry about modern refrigerators. Oh, yeah, I don't get it either. So I open the main fridge door and then the butter, the butter garage door, whatever the fuck it is, just flew off. <laughs> And it just like flung across the room. And I was like, what in the hell could have prompted that? And I, being um, the the enterprising person I am, picked it up, uh, put it on the counter and was like, my husband will deal with this. <laughs> that sounds like it sounded like a very me thing pre-Adderall, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'm not dealing with this right no now. Thanks. Like, uh, maybe I'm not dealing with it ever, actually. I don't want to. I don't care about the butter garage. <laughs> what happened with the butter? <laughs> did, did it end there? Well, we don't put the butter in the butter garage. What was actually hidden in the butter garage was uh, a, a bar of cold white chocolate. And Ugh. I don't like white chocolate that much. Oh. So I can see why it was hiding <laughs> in the butter garage. <laughs> I definitely put it there <laughs> for a reason. There are, so, Jen, I want to talk about this even more. There are definitely places in everyone's house where you store things that you just really don't know what else to fucking do with. Like, <laughs> like we have a box that's full of like empty aerosol cans and like old batteries that we know there's a very specific way to throw away, but we're too scared to deal with it right now. There's like a uh, broken Christmas lights oh, in there. Yeah. Like, yes. like one day I'm going to take eight hours and Google how to throw away everything in there. But yeah, like there's definitely just this like box full of my shame in my apartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the... Yeah, it's the chore box. It's the extreme chore box. And, you know, it's the one that you can put off as long as you possibly can. And then one day it's unputoffable. And then there's so this is not the case right now, just because Connell and I have eaten everything that's edible in the house and we have to go grocery shopping, like our, like our three week grocery shopping trip we need to go on. But like, you know, that drawer in your fridge that has like the old carrots that are not quite old enough to throw away. And it's like yep. the, the half of the spinach box that's like super wilted, but not wilted enough. Like, but you just feel too bad to throw it away. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, God. I mean, and it, this all speaks to like, you know, um, the the uh, social consumptive consumption that we have and how we need to like do a better job of like buying fewer things. But you know what? I have a lot of self-care, self-improvement things on my list. I'll deal with my refrigerator drawer full of shame after the pandemic. 
Oh, yeah. I think that's a, that's an okay one to put on the back burner. You've got a couple more immediate self-care things. I mean, Trin, you're researching ADHD right now. It's fun. That's pretty fucking important. Thanks! I actually forgot that that was work until you said that. <laughs> it totally is. I also love that you're approaching it like a research project. Like, that is such a great way to frame it. Like, getting to know yourself is, is a project. Okay, I'm getting off topic. No, no. Let's talk about me more. No, it's just... Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Like, um, but here's the thing. We can loop this back in to the question, which is so uh, now that I am, you know, kind of thinking about my ADHD more, I have really noticed that I've structured my home and my cleaning around my inability to do fucking anything. So, for example, um, there are lots of hooks all over my apartment where I hook things on like um, like towels, bags, all this stuff. Otherwise, I will 100 percent leave them on the floor. And Mm, we have mm -hmm. four different laundry baskets because of this as well. And so now that I actually have like mess vision, you know, like I can actually see a mess and like fix the mess. Yeah, Trin, Trin, when I first met you, you told me you didn't see mess. And I thought that was so interesting. I don't. But these days you do. I do. Yeah, yeah. So like um, uh, like I I will leave towels around a lot because I'm the worst. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I leave towels around because of my ADHD, logs them as unimportant. But... Because I live with somebody else and because it is the healthy and clean thing to, you know, put away your dirty towels, um, I'm working on that. Okay. Did you see how I rephrased that to make me sound? Yes. And I'm really glad you did. Thanks. I'm trying so hard all the time, Jen. Like, it took me four years and so many medical professionals to convince me that I'm not just like bad at being alive. And like... Like bad or lazy or whatever. Yeah. And like, and I didn't realize how much I'd eternalize that. Anyway, so ask her asking about your apartment. I hope that you take some stock of like, look around, see what to you could suit you better if you put in a little effort such as, I don't know, painting the bookshelf, um, something cheap, like uh, adding a hook for you to hook your bathroom robe on. Things like that uh, will make you love your space more. Oh, I love, I love organizational tips. Mine is to make my apartment feel bigger, especially in the winter. My apartment shrinks 10 sizes in the winter just because there's no easy way to get outside without putting on a ton of layers and doing a ton of work. But one thing I like to do is I like the surfaces of my dining table counters and shelves to be like mostly Mm -hmm. clean. Like um, we have a pretty large dining table that that like takes up most of our apartment. And if that thing gets cluttered like if I if I leave my laptop or even like books or laundry or something on it it really makes everything yeah. feel small I've noticed so that's one thing I like to do and the other thing I've been doing actually during the pandemic because you know ask her you're not alone we're all kind of we're safe at home but we're also stuck at home those both mm-hmm. of those things are true and, and maybe I, we don't like to give advice about buying things but these weren't very expensive I bought some just like storage boxes having a place for things yeah. to go is like the only way I can keep yeah. I can keep tidy. Otherwise, like I if if I have to pick up something and don't know where to put it, it's just going to be in the way. Like if I can organize in a way where I know exactly where this goes, that is very helpful to me. And I, we're telling you this just so you feel good and feel better about right. the place you live. We're not doing this because you need to then show it off to your coworkers or friends. You don't have to show them anything. I just want you to feel like enjoy your space and curate a space that makes you feel good. And we also want to say that, like, you know, you are constantly experiencing environmental damage. So the space of your home has also become the space of your pandemic prison. You may be looking at your home 
with a warped lens right now. And you may not be able to see the personal touches and the beauty that's already there just because shit's hard right now. Yeah, you're in your place all the time. You might have an extremely cool, really, really hip fucking apartment that you're not quite seeing. And that like, you know, somebody might be like, oh, man, my shitty McMansion suburbs home is like so like there's no personality in this and blah, blah, blah. And I took out so many loans just to get this house. That is a mindset that some people have. Some people actually hate their huge house, too. I also hate their huge house. I do, too. I, it's like a giant white shoebox that you live inside of. I don't understand. Look up like shitty McMansions online and look at pictures of like the awful design choices people made in like the late 90s on their homes in the suburbs. Look up Michael Jordan's house. It's been on sale for like four years. It, has 19, it has 19 bathrooms. <laughs> I can't even say that without laughing. Like so how funny. many? It's like it's the it's insane. You, I just I feel like okay. So with cats, what they say is you should always have the same number of of litter boxes as cats plus one. So I have two cats, so we have three litter boxes. Two that are in like solid places that they never leave, and one that's kind of like just in the middle of the living room that we move when there's company because where the fuck else are we going to put a third litter box? And that has to be true for human assholes as well. Like, I can't imagine anybody beyond somebody with, like, extreme IBS needing a place to shit every five yards in their home. Yeah, I absolutely can't imagine. Just get a bucket. I can't imagine having that many mirrors in my house. Oh, I don't want to see me. Oh. No, thank you. I think talking about Michael Jordan's 19 bathrooms and his aggressive, violent asshole is a great way to end this show. What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I think that. And we're talking about literal asshole, right? Is that what we is that where we ended? Yeah. The hole of the wow. butt where the poop comes yes, out. The whole- <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Friendshiping with Jen and Trin. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at do friendship at Jen Dangerous with two N's and at Trin and Tonic. If you would like to send us a question, please do. It can be about the pandemic. It can be a general question. It could be a specific question. We take all questions, all stripes, all patterns, all flavors, temperatures, and sizes. Uh, Friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Ian Parman for editing. Thank you to Monica Verma for being our agent. Thank you for to Molly Lewis for singing our theme song. Thank you to Lauren Gallagher for doing our design work. Thank you to Alex Cox, our podfather and audio daddy. And thank you for listening. You're welcome for talking. Your friendship at the problem. Did I say on the show that I gave myself a side shave? No, really? <laughs> wait, did you? <laughs> I wait, did. no, I can't.